This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 49. This is Writing Excuses. Bodies are magical. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Chelsea. I'm Fran. And I'm Howard. And today we're going to be talking about bodies are magical. Uh, This is the thing where someone with a disability, uh, suddenly that disability becomes a superpower, Um, which is not necessarily the way things work. Um, As we've discussed, (laughs) there are times when the, the... modifications that you have uh, in the ways you've adapted, uh, that those can be useful. But the disability itself, um, the classic one that people point at is, of course, Daredevil, where losing his eyesight gives him uh, magical powers uh, on multiple axes uh, because all of his other sentences have become heightened. Um. Elsa Shinesen, who we've talked about before um, with her her book um, being seen, but also online in different essays, has some great breakdowns of the Daredevil problem, by the way. You can Google those. They're amazing. We should probably have a link to that. We can do that. But it is a very, very common trope that you'll see. Um, and sometimes it's also a thing that people will do as a, as a form of overkill, that that they're like, oh, I don't want the person with a disability to be to be weak, so I'm going to give them I'm going to give them these extra things. What I find is that when you have that character with the disability who um, has the disability, but then they have something that makes them super extra ultra powerful, it also conveniently makes them super extra useful to the narrative and to the characters. And it depersons them in a lot of cases. Yes. Plot-relevant disability and plot-relevant superpowers both have that same icky feel to them. Um, One of the things that, that I tend to... Um, do is I have a lot of disabled characters in my fiction, but people don't notice them because they're doing things on the page like protagonizing and antagonizing and making things and breaking things. And their disability doesn't necessarily have to jibe with that or be part of the plot. It's just part of who they are. And having that sort of superpower that's utterly convenient to the plot um, or unfortunately sometimes the disability that is plot relevant um really does it, it it depersonalizes like chelsea was saying and and what we've been talking about this entire series is seeing people as people and writing people as people and finding places for empathy rather than any other approach towards writing people and so these these things, let's unpack what we mean about it not being a, a plot point. What we're talking about is like it will absolutely affect the way they, that the character moves through the world. Just the, the same way that, you know, the fact that uh, I am 
five uh, seven and uh, affects the way I move through the world. Uh, Fran is four ten. Four ten, and one of the <laughs> things uh, that, that she said to me when we we saw each other in person for the first time was that one of the the nice things about masks for her was that she could no longer see people's nose hair. <laughs> yep. Please, please trim. Anyway, <laughs> but but that that is like that's not a plot point. Um, as Howard <laughs> strokes his mustache, that is a mustache. Um, but. But the point is that like that's that affects the way we move through the world. We we see different things, we experience different things, but it is, you know, someone's nose hair or lack thereof is not like a plot point. The, um I hope. Uh, I to, mean maybe go use, for it if you feel use a, urge. A, an example that is perhaps less abled in nature, someone with very long hair on a windy day without a hairband, the hair gets in their face. That doesn't mean they're Rapunzel. No. Yeah. On the other hand, just to go to use the height thing for a different reason, um, one thing that impacts me directly is when I'm at a stand-up cocktail party, most of the conversation happens directly over my head. And I will miss things because people are talking above me. If I have everyone sit down, which I tend to do, um, that everybody's talking at my level, which was like the same thing with Zoom. It was great, except that people now insist on coming up to me and saying, I had no idea you were so little. You you seem so, and they want to use the word normal. And um, I'm yeah. glad that they stopped themselves. I'm really proud of people who stopped themselves from using that word. But the the aspect of like Zoom is a great leveler for lots of people, but not for others. Um, and none of these things are necessarily a plot point, but you can use them as a way to express how you move through the world. Right. So an example of this turning turning this this height thing into a superpower <laughs> would be a, a superpower plot point would be that if if, you know, Fran uh, is at a cocktail party and discovers a special clue that only she could discover because she happens to be the right height to look under the tables without exactly anyone... Exactly the right you know, height. Exactly <laughs> the right height. Um, that's that's the kind of thing where, you know, and, and I can hear people going, but sometimes you do need a character who's smaller. And it's like, yes, but that can't be their only purpose in the plot. That can't be, like... Every time there's a problem, it's like, let's get the small person in. The that's, bomb that's could not... also be discovered by the horrible creeper who has a <laughs> mirror taped to his shoe. Ew. Okay. Ew. Thanks for that, Howard. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm uncomfortable now. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm I'm five six and I traveled a lot on business, and it really did feel like a superpower that I could be comfortable flying coach. I mean, those chairs. But at the uh, same time, yes. those the, the the headrest on those chairs are not built for someone with a short torso. <laughs> um, to go back to the the phrasing that you use, though, where Mary Robinette, where you said, you know, but you sometimes need someone who is smaller as a character. That that idea of oh, I need a person who yeah. is like this so that the plot can do X exactly. has. Um, there there are points at which that thought process is useful, but when you are constructed, constructing 
fully rounded characters without bias, taking a look at why you feel like you need them for this is is an interesting exercise in self-examination. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's let's take a moment and pause for the book of the week. And then I, when we come back, we have more to say about this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, and our book of the week is... It's not, not a, book. a book. It's, it's not, not a, book. a book. It is It is something that Fran has been wanting to talk about the entire time we've been recording. Yes. Um, this is the TV series Killjoys. Um, it came on the air in 2015, 2016, um, and ran for three or four seasons. A couple of those seasons get a little nebulous and a little weird, but then it brought itself back. Um, what I want to talk about with Killjoys is that um, the premise in uh, definitely season two, especially with an episode called Dutch and the Real Girl, is um, sort of what we've been talking about. This is a, a char- an episode with a character who has been hack modded into um, something where her arm is a gun. And um, but also she's got lots of other mods and things. And there's a whole discussion in there about being human, but also um, having a different role to play in in both the series and in society. And one of the things that I love about Killjoys, and there's a lot to love about Killjoys, um, it's, it's got some cyberpunk elements. Victoria Modesta, the model that I mentioned with the um, with the prism. Um, for uh, one of her legs is is in the show as a special guest for season two. Um, the hack mods are part of a marginalized community group that is a long running theme through the show Killjoys. And one of the things that Killjoys did with this is they hired actual disabled people to play the hack mods. And so you've got this amazing, I think Killjoys um, hired more disabled people to play roles on the show than all of Hollywood had at that point. It was amazing to see. It's fantastic to see these actors operating with just the, the 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 plot points that they have, playing lots of different characters, and it's just it's a great show. Um, especially Dutch and the Real Girl. That's one of my favorite episodes of all time. So yeah. So uh, uh, um, <laughs> and so this is Killjoys, which. Uh, apparently, everyone needs to go watch. Uh, as you were talking, it's a show. Um, it's it was actually produced in Canada, and as as many good things are, um, it did run for five seasons. Started uh, 2015, and Hannah John Cannon plays the lead in that, and she is also in um, the second uh, Ant Man um, as Ghost. So she's all over the place. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. um, but as you as you were talking about that. Um, I'm going to take us a little bit off topic and then bring us back. Um, uh, the you, you made me think about uh, Discovery. I'm, I'm uh, in doing a, a rewatch uh, of parts of it, but in season two, there's um, there's some some good disability rep in that there's 
there's just background characters, you know, yeah. just like you're, you're watching and somebody just rolls through in a chair. There's, and it's really great. None of those are main, main characters. Nope. None of those are main characters. And also when you look at the bridge, it has steps just built into it. Yep. <laughs> so this is, this is a, a world in which. Also uh, all the chairs are fixed. So that character that rolls by can never actually sit at the bridge. Yeah. Yep. That's a great point, which I had not thought about. So so part of what we're talking about here when we're thinking about, uh, you know, bodies are magical and, and not being plot points is also like the world building that you're doing so that your character can move through this world. And so that that whatever it is that you have, however you have designed this character, that they can have agency in this story without becoming the plot point. So I do want to dive in a little bit into what I talk about, uh, what I mean personally when I'm talking about having having it become a plot point. People who are longtime listeners know me and my fondness for talking about the mice quotient. So so here, the, the mice quotient is this organizational structure, right? So in a milieu story, it begins when you enter a place and it ends when you leave it. And often what you'll see is that you'll see someone have a character that they'll want to explore a disability by having someone live in somebody else's body or they'll have a disability that is a temporary disability. And that basically has the problem of making that disability um, exotic and and it's very, very othering. Uh the idea structure, which begins when you ask a question and ends when you answer it, is like, what is wrong with that person? And that's another plot point that you can sometimes see where people will have someone who has like an invisible disability and and it's all about, oh, and now we discover it. And, oh, we're better people because we know the answer to this question now. <laughs> and again, it's othering because it's it becomes, you know, it, it that person's the character. Character stories begin when the character is unhappy with their their role, some aspect of themselves, and it ends when the character becomes happy with the role, which then means that they are having to, the the problem that they are trying to solve is themselves, which is, again, it is setting a very specific form of normal and having someone be dissatisfied with who they are. And as a plot point, that can be again, very othering. And then event begins with a disruption of the status quo, which is often diagnosis. And it ends with a restoration of status quo or an establishment of new status quo, which means that you're always looking at a cure. So, Can I just say that I love that in a minute and a half, you've taken the mice quotient and used it to explain how to do everything wrong? Yeah, yeah. This is beautiful. So, thank you. Thank you. So, So this is why... This is why when you've got a character with a disability, you actually don't want it to be a plot point. You don't want it to be a driver because if you do or, or if you if you do, you have to know that that is the story that you're telling. You're telling one of those versions of stories um, and you don't want to do it. If you're going to do it, you don't want to do it unintentionally for certain. But if you want a character and you don't want them to be like, hello, I have this magical superpower. I am here because I am useful then it needs to be decoupled from the plot and just affect the way they move through the world, which is different than these are the story questions that we're trying to solve and answer. It's While we are chewing on that amazing deconstruction, which I'm again going to say that I love, um, it's worth pointing out that 
a lot of a lot of where we see uh, you know disability as superpower uh, done wrong is in comics, and one of the tropes of comics, and you see this in especially the ensemble MCU movies, is that at some point there is an idea milieu element, which is what happens when Hulk and Thor fight. What happens when Thor and Iron Man fight? What happens when Iron Man and Captain America fight? Comic book, comic book writers, uh, this trope, everybody at some point has to fight everybody else. And that is not a great model in which to explore ability, disability, age, old age, youth, whatever, because it is going to be inherently othering for a large portion of the audience. This is where I get to shout out to Marika Nykamp, who wrote The Oracle Code, which is the story of Barbara Gordon. Um, it's a it's a graphic novel. It was published um, in 2020 before the 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 rest of things happened. Um, it's fantastic. And Marika is an amazing advocate for, for disability and disabled writers. Um, just wonderful to talk about. But if you get a chance to check out the Oracle Code, it is worth your time and does exactly the opposite of what Howard is talking about. And to be sure, uh, or to be clear, I say comics. What I mean is the superhero genre Obviously, comics are a medium which can be used to tell all kinds of stories. Well, we are approaching the end of our time together. So before we go into our homework, I just want to check to see if Chelsea or Fran as our, our, our guests for this, this series, if either of you have any, any big takeaways that you want our listeners to, to carry with them before we give them their homework. I mean, I think the thing that I've been talking about mostly in all of these episodes is how very much I want us as speculative writers to take the opportunity to imagine environments that are, that basically take away barriers for people with disabilities um, because they're, well, I'm just going to be opinionated about this, designed properly. Um, I am going to direct my comments to those listeners who um, have a disability, as well as those who may in the future have a disability, and just say, write your, write your experience, write your story in whatever way you want to tell it. Um, if you have the opportunity to reach for empathy, go for it. This is a really important thing, but find you know, finding ways to put your story down is actually a wonderful way to um, just feel present in in a way that doesn't mean you're educating people. It's just you're telling a story, you're doing a thing, and and if you know, it it's please please write. I would love to see everything you write. Well, and with that, we come to our homework. Uh, for your homework assignment, we've had this conversation that, that at some point, everyone is going to be disabled. So look at your cast of characters for your work in progress and decide what disabilities your characters have. 
Some of them will be visible, some of them will be invisible, some of them will be things that the character themselves doesn't recognize as a disability. Decide what those are, and then make sure that none of them are a plot point, that these are characters who just get to exist and have adventures the same way all of the other characters do. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. For this episode of Writing Excuses, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, C.L. Polk, Fran Wilde, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Daniel Thompson and mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 